Welcome back to the Petapixel Podcast, everyone. I'm Jaron Schneider. Hey, I'm Jordan Drake. I'm Chris Nichols, and I have espresso. <laughs> uh, we're here to, uh, talking about a lot of stuff that happened in the last week. I, I, I remember reading a comment. I, I know I always do this because we have a section about reading the comments, but someone's like, we can't possibly have enough content to do a podcast episode every week. I don't know. <laughs> I I'm like full of not, it. Not that hard. Uh, <laughs> this week, what we're going to be chatting about is a lot of Nikon news. Uh, their their campaign in South America uh, called Natural Intelligence to compete against AI. It's an actually really cool campaign. Uh, Nikon also had some new products that came out, so we're going to talk about those. Um, we're going to recap what happened the latest <laughs> with. Uh, <laughs> With Bebop and, Gig- and Gigster and Outdoor Photographer and Imaging Resource. That the endless saga. Yeah, continues. Yeah, it, just, it just will not go away. New story. Like, it seems like there's an update every week, and this one is the most absurd one yet. Um, and then I kind of want to get your guys' thoughts on how you guys keep your gear safe when you travel. Uh, there was a story earlier this week about a filmmaker who was in San Francisco and lost $30,000 in gear uh, when he left it unattended for 10 minutes, which, I mean, that's a whole thing we'll, we'll, we'll dig into. But, uh, <laughs> um, that's what's on the docket today, so let's get started. This episode is brought to you by OM Digital. So I did a little experiment last week. Uh, I was going out on a family vacation. And Chris, you know, I'm always like when we're out in the field, I'm dragging around, you know, full frame kit, two eight lenses, like a bunch of heavy stuff. So I'm like, I want to I want to bypass that for this. I'm going to only because it make you carry everything. Yeah. And and honestly, too, video, it's a lot more gear. I'm like, I want to just like take some photos. I think that would be like a really fun change. So I actually went out and grabbed uh, from OM Digital the uh, Olympus 75 millimeter F1.8, 8 to 25 millimeter. Um, so then I've got kind of like that ultra wide to normal and like a short telephoto for candids. And both of those lenses are like so incredibly small. I don't have them next to me here, but, um, but I definitely wanted like better image quality than a phone was what I went out with. And the other big thing is I don't want to drag a tripod around for this. And I still find OM digital. It's like the best stabilization out there. So, you know, I brought no tripod and, we we, would, we wanted to spend a lot of time on the boat. It was a fishing trip. So there's all these like constant vibrations and stuff. And I mean, I was just kind of floored. Even like some slower shutter speeds where I'm on the boat at dawn and dusk, we were still getting nice sharp images on it. But then also, because I wasn't bringing a tripod, I'm like, well, we've got like this really cool kind of like waterfall right beside our place. We want to shoot the lake and stuff. Um, so I used, they got this really cool, like live ND where it's stacking exposures. Um, but the cool thing is you can see the effect before you push the shutter. So you can actually see like, oh, is this shot going to work at this shutter speed that I've selected? And I handheld like shooting at 12 millimeters is you know still impressive at one second. But then I pulled out the 75 millimeter, that's 150 millimeter equivalent. And I was still able to handhold one second exposure on that, which was like really cool. 
Um, and then as well, you know, if you want a little bit more detail, because it's a 20 megapixel uh, sensor in the OM1 I was using, uh, then I use the handheld high res. So again, not using a tripod, uh, you get a 50 megapixel image out of that. So if I did want to like print it or something, I've got more than enough information there. And it also because you're stacking images, there's less shadow noise. So more dynamic range when you're doing that. Um, so yeah, it was just kind of a perfect use case for this smaller system, worked really well for it. And I was really happy with the images. I'm going to make a photo book, I've decided, out of all the stuff that I did. And we can oh, look back nice. at it as like, yeah, my kids, you know, big fishing trip. And uh, we'll have a bunch of nice, high-quality images. And it didn't feel like work. That was the best thing about it. Um, so, yeah, I, I can definitely speak to, like, in that situation, it was the perfect camera system for what I was doing. And if you haven't tried it out, you should definitely check it out because they also sponsor this banging podcast. So, OM Digital, everyone. <laughs> um, just to add this in here, to learn more about OM Digital, like in their cameras like the OM5 and their full OM system of Mzuiko lenses, make sure to visit explore.omsystem.com. So this is an unusual transition. Usually we would be just like smoothly walking through this, but um, especially if you're watching on YouTube, you're going to see that this looks different, especially in my room because it's <laughs> normally lit by like natural light and it is dark. So welcome to Petapixel <laughs> After Dark. We're recording this uh, well after our usual session because there was some breaking news today. Uh, for anyone who wants to know, we usually record the podcast on Tuesday mornings. We completed our recording for the day. And then some major news broke, and we decided to get yeah. together the next time all three of us could actually, uh, you know, sit down and do this. So now it is much later, but we need to talk about DP Review and the fact that they live on. They have Ooh. new owners. Woo! I want to point out that my coffee espresso is now uh, 15 years old, aged in an oak barrel. <laughs> Take from now what you will. They'll Pedipix never know what's dark. in my coffee mug. <laughs> and look, Jordan, your, your blue uh, background is, is popping. And apparently, apparently later in the podcast, I will do a ventriloquist act. So just keep that out. Uh, keep a lookout yeah. for that. It's going to be yeah, awesome. Anyway, anyway, Anyways. On YouTube. Yeah. We had some te technical difficulties today. So this, this editing fits right in. Anyway, we're going to jump right, <laughs> right to this. Okay. It's uh, a big story. D DP Review has been purchased by Gear Patrol from Amazon for an undisclosed amount. Uh, what is, who is Gear Patrol? What, what, what's going on here? Chris, you, you know more about this than I do. Yeah, so I'm you know looking at Gear Patrol, it's it's sort of a magazine about general tech spans many different categories, aimed largely at a male audience. So uh, lots of like camping stuff, camp stoves. I saw like coffee scales on there. I saw uh, lots of watches. Uh, they did have 15 year old espresso aged in oak barrels, much like what I'm drinking right now, and for review all sorts of stuff. So it's interesting, like very different kind of feel from DP Review, obviously, but. The general tenor that I get seems to be positive in that the owner, CEO of Gear Patrol, highly respects DP Review, loves photography, and really wanted to, looks like, keep that entity going as it has been going, which is great news. That does, that does jive with what is on DP Review's uh, website. Hmm. They have said that... Um, the site will continue to operate as it was before. That is to say, it is not being folded inside of Gear Patrol. You, you mm -hmm. will still be able to go to dpreview.com. All editorial coverage and site features will remain the same, and all historical content will remain accessible. Uh, I'm quoting now. That being said, we are excited to begin a new chapter working within and alongside an editorial company like Gear Patrol and expect to continue evolving DP Review based on customer feedback and the rapidly changing state of the publishing industry. Yeah. Uh, they are not wrong about the state of the publishing <laughs> industry. Uh, so 
I Jordan. think a huge thing that we should mention is they're saying that the core editorial staff is yeah. going to be staying on, um, which is what makes DP Review DP Review. So in that sense, I am, yeah, like a bunch of those people are, you know, some of my closest friends. It's great to hear that they will still be employed and doing what they're really good at going forward. It was disheartening to hear a bunch of them like, I don't know, maybe I have to leave the photo industry right so yeah. again, i have like, heard this that is... a lot recently <clears throat> like folks that say that like from the imaging resource now outdoor photographer that's basically what they had to do it's nice that some people managed to have uh, to avoid that yeah absolutely and um so yeah i i think i don't even know what i'm trying to say it's great i'm very happy <laughs> the photo the photo of the staff like in the studio space like all together that was a very cute photo right showing like this is our editorial team it's Do you think they're trying to say something with the cameras they're holding? Did you notice? Yeah, there's a Pentax, Pentax. KO one Our favorite uh, is there. Uh, there's some film bodies. It's it's an interesting collection. I think this, one of them this, is a DSLR. This can't know, have been random. These people, unless... Do you think they just ran and grabbed whatever camera was like next to them? They had yeah, to pick these, it's, right? It's the studio in their building, uh, very clearly. Yeah. So yeah, I think they were just like, what do you see? Go grab a camera and go. And <laughs> maybe they gave them like a 15-second countdown before they took the picture. Because it is a motley assortment there. <laughs> now, what, what I'm finding interesting is, you know, because we're talking about that. I mean, we've been to the deep review offices in Amazon's headquarters. You know, they got so many buildings, but in one of their buildings. And I'm assuming that now that they're bought by Gear Patrol and, you know, that, I mean, I don't think they're going to rent space from Amazon. I don't know, but it'll be interesting to see if they're going to then transition to a new space. And that's going to be, you know, a lot of work and a big move. But I'm excited to see how the maybe the look of everything changes. Maybe the studio space changes. Maybe the uh, the lens chart kind of stuff is going to be different. I don't know. That's going to be exciting. We'll see how it goes. You know, that is something I wanted to bring up because um, there people are going to, they, they say DP will remain the same. And I think editorially reviews all of that true, but yeah. because now of this new ownership, they basically have to do what the rest of publishing usually has to do. Uh, and the way that they will monetize will have to change. Uh, like Petapixel, we monetize because, you know, we're not owned by a corporation that just funnels money into us. Uh, we have to And we'll shut down be. unexpectedly, potentially, <laughs> even, and then Correct. reverse that decision through an absolute PR cluster F, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me how you really feel, Jordan. Um, I so finally like... can. My last check cleared. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. So, like, challenge, challenges that they'll face, um, I think they... they from an editorial perspective, I think they'll be great. I'm super happy to see this. this yeah. The industry needs DP re Review to stick around, especially now that Imaging Resource is who knows what. So um, with, I'm the only thing that I'm, I'm curious to watch happen is how they transition from their current model to whatever model Gear Patrol chooses to do. Because yeah. it, we, we did some research on Gear Patrol before uh, coming on, and they are similarly sized to Petapixel in terms of like, traffic but they get it a different way than we do we're a, we're a news publication they're a guides publication um yeah. i would say they're more kind of like a digital trends as far as like how they get most of their traffic um which means i i think if i was running a business it would be highly affiliate based because that's that's you're really funneling a lot of traffic that way when people come to you for a recommendation on a purchase and then they go and make it so if they ha are bringing all the stuff over from the previous ownership they're probably going to need to change all of the links on everything that is currently purchasable. And that is a monumental task. Yeah. 
Yeah, 25 sure. years of that. Now, a lot of those will be defunct, obviously. Correct, but yeah. Still. I mean, the last yeah. 10 years, maybe five years, even yeah. that, that's still it's just, huge. that is a yep. ton of links. <laughs> ton of links. But hey, the forums are still going to be around. Hey, forums. All... Oh, thank God the forums are still going to be intact. There'll still be a place where they can say just <laughs> malicious things about us. I was I was going to say sarcastically the nicest stuff about the best people, but yeah, I right. wonder if they'll still keep talking about us on the forums. You know, in the future, we'll see. Well, I saw Jordan already responded in the so question: Are the comments on stories technically part of the forum, or is that separate? No, no, no. I I would consider them separate. The tenor is slightly different. I would say <laughs> a lot less SEO on that too. Um, okay. Okay. Um, well, I saw you commented, responded to comments already on the story on Deep Your Review. So you were in there. Um, I don't know if you go into the forum. Celebrating. Though. Yeah. Yeah. My, yeah. Of course. Party. Woo. Yeah. Um, so you know, anyway, all we're... Kidding, all kidding aside, like, I, I think the internet's probably breathing quite a big sigh of relief because, you know, just the just the history and the resources that everybody was like, oh, we're going to lose these resources. Like, that's great. So no matter what, this is super positive news that that all gets to be retained. The, the comparison widget, I hope will stay there, you know, but all the old reviews, that's all going to be now safe for posterity going forward. Uh, hopefully for a good amount of time, let's not do this again anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I mean, later yeah. on in this episode, I reference finding something because of DP review. So, yeah. yeah. you know, it keeps going. It's valuable. Yeah. Final thoughts, guys. Any, anything you want to say? How you feel? Like basically, how you feeling? This has been a real roller coaster ride for you. I think some people think you're probably, you know, wishing you were there with them. Maybe they're, they're no. thinking you're regretful. I, I, you just I tell people how you guys feel. I think that's a good thing to, to point out because, yeah, a lot of people are wondering, right? Even I mean, that was one of the main topics of conversation actually that Jordan responded to in that in that uh, the comment section is like. People are still like, oh, what you guys did to Chris and Jordan's terrible. And, you know, like, it's really unfortunate, or I'm really going to miss Chris and Jordan. They're such a big part of that. We really appreciate those comments. Uh, first off, like, it has nothing to do with the editorial team or the management, the debrief. They were all great to us, right? I mean, they gave us as much notice as they could. Uh, as Jordan said, it was just a big cluster F, right? It was just, we're told they're shutting down. Sorry, guys. Like we were, what we were shooting an episode, Jordan. We get the phone call during the episode. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I, I would, I want to say like um, next week um, I've already talked to Richard Butler, who's been with DP review the longest of any of their staff member. Yeah. He will most likely be coming on. And I'd really like to talk through that period where we yeah. weren't allowed to talk. Um, I think that'll be a really nice thing to touch on as well as the future direction of it. Um, I think that's good. And as I mentioned, DP Review is no longer owned by Amazon. That has finished. My last check yeah. from Amazon has cleared, so I can now <laughs> officially say, "Fuck Amazon." What's our next no. one, Jared? <laughs> I I just bought I just bought batteries for my key fobs on Amazon. Uh, Camping supplies. Give me a break. They're great. <laughs> Felt good. I don't know. I want to end it on that. <laughs> if you guys yeah, you know, didn't well, know, well, he was <laughs> taking digs at him as much as he could. Every time he was on camera, he'd mention something about that other company. So that's yeah, his, his you'll, actual you'll, feelings. You'll definitely want to tune in next week uh, because we're going to talk about that quite a bit in detail. But long story short, no, I mean, we're happy with our move. We th we think it actually worked out for the best, but it was by no means a non-stressful event uh, those last couple months here. It's been it's been wild. Yeah, it's great to have like a conclusion to this period. Some actual closure yeah. is wonderful. And knowing yeah. that, again, a bunch of my friends are going to keep doing what they're good at. Yeah. Yeah, we moved on. We're good. We're happy that our friends are okay. And we're happy, honestly, that the users across the world that really respect and rely on Deep Review are going to be able to keep doing that. That's yep. huge.
Us right. included. Very yeah. nice. Next week, we'll talk more. For now, we'll get All back right. to the regularly scheduled programming. Recorded. <laughs> my Jordan's yes. blue background. Like my Jordan's blue background. Yeah, all that stuff is about to go back to the way it yeah. was. We'll see y'all there. And watch my lip syncing where I do ventriloquist sax. It'll be great. This week is going to be the start of what we're actually planning on doing with this. We're gonna we last week we, we did it, but we did it at the wrong point in the podcast. So we're gonna move it up. And so, Chris, what were you doing this past week? What's what's going on in your life? Oh, so many things, Jaren. So many things. So. Uh, first off I did hit the river and right now it's stonefly season. I know what I'm about to say here is going to make sense to a very small amount to the group. Yeah, it's, it's fishing and it was just dry fly topwater action all week. (laughs) Like it was amazing. Jaren, they're coming up top. There's PMDs on the water. There's stoneflies everywhere. Jordan's falling asleep. And like, it was just city worker all day. And so if anybody knows what any of that jargon means, you could tell how excited I would be about it. And you know, in that same situation, you would love it. And uh, I'm going to regret note, asking I'm, this, but what does city worker all day mean? Oh, city worker. Oh, you want to know? So city worker is a fly and it's called the city worker because it's got red and orange posts on top. Kind of looks like city worker vest. And when you fish it in the city, it just works. So it's the city worker. Okay. It's amazing. Anyways, right. Jordan, still oh, alive? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. But as a side note, uh, again, OM1, 18 to 100 is killer. Just all day. Fantastic kit. And uh what, what else did I do? Fishing? Well, because it's perfect for fishing because it's rugged oh. and I got one lens and it covers everything. Oh, so you br- you bring it out there with you? Oh, yeah. We recorded a video on Bow River Trout Fitters. Check it out. And uh, yeah, it was a great day. Great day. Big brown trout caught. Beautiful. You should watch it. Uh, and if you don't care, ignore that. What else did I do? <laughs> you know, I haven't had a chance to play a lot of video games lately. And I know you and I have been talking about uh, that a bit, Jaron, but I've been playing Seven Days to Die. I got back into it. Has anybody been playing that? That sounds familiar, but I don't. I don't know that. It's game. like it's like Minecraft with zombies. It's incredible. I love it. It's it's been in alpha for ten years straight up. This game's never coming out. I mean, this is just the world we live in now. But it's like Alpha Twenty One just came out. I got back into it. It's been so much fun. They're Basically, charging you get to like, for it though. Oh, it's pretty reasonable. But what I'm saying is, is like, how can you? It's be... not finished. <laughs> They're still like, There's, give me money. It, yeah, it ha- you said it's been out for ten years. It's early access. Yeah, it's you know, it's Steam early access. It's just yeah, you get to play no, the, I, the, that's fine. Play the alphas until I don't know when it's going to come up. But ten years, I think it's you know, yeah, it's become such it. a like modded game, and and people just kind of take it over. That it kind of that's neat about video games nowadays. Is sometimes it's almost like the community just starts to turn it into a new experience. You know, but yeah, we, it's great. Like we get a lot of, uh, not by a lot. There's a, there's a, there's some feedback that, you know, our, our cartoony intros are, are, are pixel that we love are yeah. like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, there, there was one guy who just called us children for, for even using those. Well, he's not going to like hearing that, uh, you and I like to play video games, is he? Oh, so good. Yeah, no. And it's great. I just go in creative mode. Now I get to like build bases and then zombie hordes attack. And you kind of just see how you can defend these things you build. It's, anyways, wonderful. Wonderful. Cool. cool, cool. Yeah. It's super weird you bring up like the video game thing because for a decade I would have checked out like you were talking about fishing, but in the last year we got a switch for my kid and you know, he's like, ah, he's playing games and stuff. So I'll take a look. What's the best game for the switch? And you know, everything for like last year was like, Oh, breath of the wild, Zelda, breath of the wild, Zelda, breath of the wild. So it's like, all right, I'll try a video game again. Uh, Cause I did try one in that 10 year gap. Chris was like, you got to play last of us. And I was like, Oh man, I love 
the story and the voice acting and I don't enjoy playing this game. And then Breath of the Wild was like the complete opposite. I'm like, I do not care about the story or then the voice <laughs> acting's atrocious. But man, this is so much fun. I'm digging this. And then, yeah, it, it, Tears of the Kingdom just came out. And this was the first week where I actually got to spend some time with it. And I might have a new favorite video game. I got to say, <laughs> I am having a great time. Like, uh, yeah, it's been a real pleasure. And it might have gotten me back into this so I can actually join in on the video game conversation again. When you're, uh, when you're building autonomous death robots in Tears of the Kingdom, you let me know. Because I, I basically will just spawn them now and watch as they kill everything. Because I don't, I don't even have to enter combat anymore. It's the, the, the game is very fun. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I've just, I'm I fell asleep a little bit there because I just can't get into Zelda. I don't know what it is. You know, you got to like pick and choose your, 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 your groups that you're going to play, your games you're going to play. Like, yeah, I, I see. I, 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 I'm so not into the Zelda kingdom that I've like, can't I can't enunciate remember. An opinion. Yeah, I can't even enunciate. My brain shuts <laughs> off. Like the last game I played was uh, Link to the Past, which was great. It was good, but I'm just not into the mythos, but I'm happy for you guys. I'm happy for you. It's very so. different. I'm, I'm loving it. And it's my favorite thing with a lot of games, like going back a ways to like, you know, Portal 2, Half-Life 2. Like I love those games where you can look at a situation and apply real logic to solve it. Uh, as yeah, opposed right. to video game logic, like step yes. on this switch and stuff. And this yes. entire game is built on that. Like every like making like penis shaped solutions. tree trunk boats. Is that exactly is that part you of the also logic do that right? and okay. progress forward? It's like that was a good decision you made to build that penis shaped boat. So yeah, I'm <laughs> right. loving it. Um, right. Chris, I've been threatening to talk about this. Uh, yes, for a while with you because it to me it's it's the ultimate go outside and touch grass moment. Um, but I the game that I play the most of, and it is a disgusting number of hours, is Destiny 2. I am that guy. I am I, one of the, the people who continues to play this game. Uh, I've played Destiny since it came out. I took a break for a while, right. for about four years, playing some other games. But I came back, and it sucked me back in. Um, me and my two teammates, who I've been playing with for that entire time, we did something that I'm pretty proud of. Uh, we managed to get to the ascendant rank, which is the highest rank in competitive play in Destiny. And then I, I want to just you know to give context for people because I've been seeing your like rankings, right? And to make it clear, like you're a celebrity, right? I no. mean, you're like, yeah, yeah, you're like, uh, you're like, you'd advertise like people advertise like listen. OnlyFans top zero point one percent, right? Do like, not that's, listen to Chris at all. He's making this up. No, no, said, I'm not, no, I've I've seen your rankings. Tell us that, your rankings. That said, Darren, yeah, tell us your rankings. I am. I've, so I don't know if you, if anyone knows how many people play Destiny, but the total number of like user base of people who can play Destiny or have is like forty four million. The active user base is closer in the four four to six million, depending on w when you look into it. Uh, in competitive, there are three different modes in competitive, and in two of those modes, I'm ranked in the top point two percent. And I'm really, I'm quite proud of that. I'm See? ranked number 692 in one of them. There are only 691 players that are, that are better than me. I was 666 earlier, but I haven't <laughs> played in a couple of days. And clearly it has affected my ranking. I've fallen by no. a couple. You're supposed to play just enough to keep you at the devil's number. I know. Like, I need to, I need to work oh. at it. The mark of the beast. I, th I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> I, I enjoyed being number 666. Um, See, but yeah, I, anyway. I played Destiny 2, and it was fun. But I like the storylines. And then once it comes yeah. to multiplayer, I used to be... I'm going to... Okay. Original Call of Duty. I was pretty great. Now, there was no rankings back then. It was just like, if guys accused you of cheating, but you weren't, that was your life. That, yeah, that's, that's rank, what you want right? to see. I've been accused yeah. of cheating. It's, it's great. Oh, I, don't, I don't cheat. Um, 
obviously. And then Counter-Strike came out and Team Fortress came out and that kind of changed the whole thing. And I'm like, ah, I just want to play for the storylines. But I'm, I'm proud of you. And I'm happy yes. that you're having success. And I'm happy that the devil is helping you. Uh, oh, that's where we're going with it then. All right. In your uh, Destiny 2 games. Well, so for all is... those people like, who's the who's Jaren? Jaren is the biggest celebrity out of all of us. So Nobody knows who realm. I am. The rankings don't matter. <laughs> Half these rankings are made, like if it's not in the game, which it's not, it's using a value. It's, it's checking anyone who's like, has it, as, uses the Destiny API. Basically. No, no, we're talking success in three separate arenas as well, right? So like, let's, let's just be clear, right? Yeah. Stop listening to them. All Can right. Can you please put on your Instagram? Can you do that? I don't even use my Instagram, but I do oh. appreciate the people that started following me because of this <laughs> podcast. I've, I've seen an uptick in that. So thank you for the follows. So let's get on talking about some of these news stories. And I think a couple I want to I get your guys' input on are very Nikon related. So let's, let's first talk about uh, Nikon has decided to, at least one section of Nikon, one area of the world, have decided to fight against artificial intelligence with what they're calling natural intelligence. <laughs> In a campaign, uh, they have gone ahead and shown images that look unreal, but are very real. That's like the whole concept behind it. So they would they would say like, "What if you were to describe Manhattan skyscrapers a hundred years after the zombie apocalypse? What would that look like?" And they have a picture that they that, of an actual place in the world that looks like that, or multicolored surreal mini volcanoes erupting water like a fountain. That sounds like something someone would put into an AI image generator, but there's actually a thing that looks like that. Um, so I thought this was a pretty cool campaign. What did you guys think? I think it's a really smart idea. Yeah. Um, the one thing that really surprised me, uh, and I don't know if you caught on to this too, Jaron, is there's no people. Uh, they're all like locations and things like that. And so much of the you know, appeal of real photography to me is capturing like a genuine moment or emotion. You know, there's no wildlife or anything too in these. Yeah. Like it's, it's a cool idea and I can totally see how they could roll out an entire series of this over the years, you know, like, yeah, let's do a wildlife version of this. Let's do a street photography version of this. Um, but I think it's, it's a really good idea for the camera manufacturers to, yeah, start saying like a truly captured image. It's like, it's, photography has photons in it it's light moving that is captured you know to start expressing the benefits of that and you know uh this is a step in the right direction i think it's a cool yeah first version of it but i think it could be a whole lot more expansive than the ad campaign already is so, so I, how I, how close do you think we are though to well let's say this how, how close do you think camera manufacturers are to adding ai and not like machine learning i mean like you know this this sort of ai kind of technology into their actual camera interfaces whether it be for beginners to get better results or you know to to remove unwanted things or change backgrounds and skies you know do you think manufacturers are going to be on top of that or do you think they're going to be like really wanting to avoid doing that with their cameras for as we long still as don't have like real besides no. with own system we don't really have even computational photography in standalone no. cameras right now so if we don't even have that, I don't see us anywhere near having what you just described. Yeah, and I don't even of, think they'd want it. Think of like but Adobe do you think struggling a... with their, um, you know, their soft, their AI software uh, for image generation, and Adobe has endless R and D budgets. Like the camera companies don't have that, except for maybe Sony and maybe Canon. But even that, like, I think it's going to take a while. Yeah, I, I just wonder, like, you know, I think people are, are seeing the sort of foreshadowing of a battle between 
traditional photography and AI, right? I mean, this, this article is basically kind of a nice punch back, right? To say like, look, you know, you guys think it's AI, but look, there are actually these things that exist in reality. Mm-hmm. But uh, at the same time, I don't know. It's like, is there a battle coming up between traditional photography and AI? And if so, you know, does that spell good things for the camera industry? It's already taken a beating after computational photography. And as we've just said, those companies haven't really jumped on board, except our sponsor, OM yeah, System, they, they uh, who's done a fantastic done job. And, and is- honestly, it's I, I, I say that just, but really, yeah, they, they are one of the only ones. And it's it's a really good technology. I'm shocked that other people haven't done it. So, you know, I don't know. You know, on that note, you mentioned um, that we published a story this morning uh, before we started recording. Uh, 92.5% of all photos are now taken with smartphones, um, yeah. which is an, it was like a wool, spe- uh, like a statistic. But you have to think of it like this way. Like, of course, everyone's got a smartphone and everyone is taking a picture. If you could take the whole amount of photos that are taken in a day, yeah, obviously smartphones are going to be the ones who take the most. But it is worth noting. It's not nothing. Yeah. It's people no. like taking a picture to remember their Wi-Fi password and their parking spot <laughs> and stuff like that is being factored into that. So it's yeah, not right. all artistic expression. I took I took a picture of, of like a recipe yesterday because I, I <laughs> like every to every time a husband WhatsApps like, "Is this the cereal you wanted me to buy at the grocery store?" <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that counts. counts. Yeah, that's they're like cameras are dead. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing I wanted to mention uh, about it goes back to what you were saying, Jordan, about why you noticed these were only like landscapes. Uh, I, I want to put some stuff into perspective here, um, and this this sort of leads into. Uh, there's been some complaints on a couple of the other uh, uh, websites out there that, that cover photography that Nikon use stock photos, and one of them is on Unsplash. To fill this in, um, making an ad campaign is extremely time consuming. For like you don't you don't just get an ad campaign like oh cool AI is a thing now we should just do an ad campaign like it doesn't happen like yeah. within days these people had to plan this my guess is that this was planned basically starting when image generation was like becoming a major thing and when they still couldn't do people people have only been possible in AI in like the past month and a half two months yeah uh, because they were it was making them into and it still can make them into nightmares. It couldn't get hands <laughs> right until very recently. So like yeah. this was very, to me, obviously a reaction to the early onset of what this was. Because if you look at what they've decided to do their imagine as, as like their the, like Nikon's choice, all of these things were what people were making when right. we first got access to it. Yeah. Like they were making big, expansive like landscapes and, and like alien worlds and that sort of thing. So like we're probably five months behind with an ad campaign that is not unheard of. And I also don't have a problem with using uh, stock photos in an ad campaign like this, because if you were to try and send your guys out to go guys and gals out there to shoot these pictures for real, we wouldn't see this campaign until next year. Mm -hmm. So like in order to react fast enough, you got, you got to do it. The one of the main complaints I've seen though, is that people are, not happy that maybe they just got an image off on splash because it was a free and available. Well, yeah, but at least somebody, at yeah, least somebody and, took it. Yeah. And the photographer <laughs> made the decision to make their image free. Yeah. That is not Nikon. Like Nikon saw this image. It's a very good one. It fit exactly with what they were trying to do. And it was free. I think so then Mar- are, are the AI companies going to 
punch back now and they're going to make their own ad campaign where they AI generate landscapes, but it only took them like a week. And they're like, look at that. We'd have to send anybody out. Uh, we built this from our bedrooms. We weren't wearing any clothes when we did it and it was great. And nobody's the wiser. So I don't know. Is that, is that going to yeah. be the next ad campaign? Oh, okay. They, I, I don't think the AI companies <laughs> care. I think that's the best way for me to put that. Um, and then there's something else I wanted to mention. We see this a lot and uh, a readership, the, at least the ones who care most about photography are like, why are you talking about AI so much? Like, why do you, why, 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 this is a photography website. Why aren't you talking about just photography? I think it's clear that it is a very photography related topic mm -hmm. because yeah. it's encroaching on photography. And I have some a statistic here based on Google searches volume over time. The search for AI has absolutely ballooned in just the last six months or less, five months, three months. I'm looking at the chart here. It is just skyrocketing. 825% yeah. um, increase in searches for AI in the US compared to the average over the last five years. That is yeah. an insane amount of interest. For us to be like, we're not going to cover any news on that because for some people don't think it, it involves photography who are also wrong about that. It's just absurd. There's a ton of interest in this and we need to be there to, to add some context about what that means. I think it's important to remember too, like the media has absolutely been pushing AI, of course. Uh, first off, I'm happy that I don't see crypto stuff anymore. That's great. So it's been wonderful. I'm all for that. You know, go AI. But also like, you know, they spread the fear. They're like, yes, it's scary. The photo industry. And it's been taking a lot of beatings. And I have to admit, I, I'm guilty. I'm like, oh, is there going to be a battle between these two? What's going to happen? But at the same time, like any innovation in photography, we're absolutely going to see AI bring a lot of positive stuff to the photographic world. It's just always going to look different than what we are used to. And I know that's terrifying. You know, I heard, a, I I heard a, someone describe this. I think it was Linus from uh, Linus Tech Tips um, said that the very the likelihood of us seeing ai is going to follow the first time we had computer generated vfx in movies or whatever yeah. like people were doing it because they could not because it it was the best decision so you were getting some stuff that does, that looks questionable now because they they could have done it with practical effects but they're like we've got the ability to use computers let's just do it and now it looks like really bad it aged yeah. poorly and it wasn't the right decision at the time they were just basically flashy or whatever now you don't even see the, 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 the VFX anymore. Like you cannot tell that it's not real because we've gotten right. to the point where it's like, and they're using it all the time and they're using it well mixed with practical effects. I think I agree with Linus that we're getting, we're going to have that same thing now where basically people are doing it because they can. And they're yeah. like, just sure, whatever, throwing anything at the wall, see what sticks. It will come back down. And then when it comes back, it'll be in a way that is like very difficult to detect. It'll be I'm more seamlessly integrated. I'm going to use it to deep fake Jordan. I'm going to put him on like bass boats with Rapala like shirts with a on big smile just, on my face. Yeah, yeah. just carrying like a 10 you pound bass. You can do bass that now, and, Chris. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to, yeah, I know. But I want to be able to do it like with an app where I just push a button and it does it for me. I mean, isn't that what AI is really about is making us as lazy as possible? I, that's kind of the whole point, right? You know, yeah. what I really enjoy about Chris's uh, tangents is their excellent segues. Because that's very clearly <laughs> Are we the talking end about of... bass boats next? <laughs> that's a very oh, clearly fantastic. the end of that conversation. Let's move on <laughs> to the next one. Um, we're going to keep talking about Nikon because uh, they're in the news yet again. They've, uh, they are killing it right now. You guys, why don't you tell me what is new from Nikon? Oh, yeah. Go, Chris. Well, so we got to play with two new lenses. And uh, 
I actually really enjoyed them. So one of them I enjoy. Let's get out of the way. The, you know, they've they just announced a new Nikkor 70 to 180 f2.8, which is very similar to the Tamron 70 to 180 f2.8, right? We we know How we similar. know what's going on here, and I, I fully support. It. I think it's great, but we know that lens is great. I mean, Jordan and I. We we voted the Tamron version as one of our favorite lenses. It was almost our number one lens, right? It was yep, up there. Yeah, it was our runner up for lens of the year. Runner up, um, and, and it's brilliant. I believe. It's affordable. It's still two point eight. It's still very good. I mean that that's interesting. So I'm excited to see that, but it's kind of a known commodity. The new one eighty to six hundred that I think is going to be something that opens up a lot of wildlife photography for a lot of enthusiasts who don't necessarily have you know fifteen thousand dollars to throw down on an f two point eight to wildlife prime yeah when we were talking to our Nikon rep um he's like, "Look when the z nine and now especially with the z eight at a lower price came out." everyone is asking for like, what's the versatile super zoom lens? I mean, that yeah. is a staple lens. And I think Chris and I both remember back when we were at the camera store, Nikon brought out the F mount two to 500 F 5.6. And that was like introduced two years before we left the store. And by the time we left the store, they were still filling back orders on it. Yeah. That's like an absolutely <laughs> essential lens for so many people in that system. And Nikon is catering so much to wildlife shooters, you know, like we're looking at those small, um, super sharp, but a little bit slower prime telephotos that are amazing. Yeah. Uh, and now this, like they've really found a niche that they're honing in on. Um, yeah, I think it makes a ton of sense. And I was even saying, you know, I think they could almost do a bundle. Like you have your kit lenses, like your body with a standard zoom. Nikon could almost do like a, you know, 180 to 600 with a Z8 kit. Cause that's going to be such an incredibly popular yeah. combination going out together. You know, it's like we go on press trips. We're fortunate we get to do that. And the reason I'm mentioning this is we go on these press trips. I'm not a wildlife photographer, although I've taken a few nice wildlife photos in my time. I was really and impressed with your Yellowstone photos. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. And so it's like, my, I guess my point is that when we go on these press trips, you know, with Canon, with Sony, with Nikon, of course, because they want to give you the tools to make your work. You know, they bring these lenses, which I would never be able to afford and would basically never be able to try out. And yet, like every single time, I always still gravitate towards these more affordable super zooms, you know, with five, six apertures. I'm like, I don't need F2.8. The cameras nowadays, I, I'm, I'm perfectly fine shooting with a higher ISO. Uh, you know, obviously I get creatively why you might want a 2.8, but in most situations, I don't need it. I like the extra depth of field. Just give me a little bit of that leeway when trying to get animals. And so it's like, I gravitate to those lenses that I think most enthusiasts would be gravitating towards as well, even though I have access to the, plus they're, they're not heavy to carry around. I mean, this thing uh, around a knocked, right? Mm -hmm. Give or take, depending on what, uh, what collar, or if you have the collar or not. What so, is that? 2000 grams? Yeah. 2000 grams, you know? So I think it was 1955 uh, without the collar and like 2140 with the collars. It's so, actually kind of surprising to me that the, that the knocked weighs as much as this lens that yeah, is no I'm, yeah that is absurd it that is lens absurd. <laughs> is so heavy yeah so you know i could one hand it like it was comfortable to carry around no monopod necessary anyways i think it's going to be very successful and kudos to nikon because this is obviously a really big year for them they're pushing hard for market share and that does seem to be working doesn't it jared yeah no I, I did we did cover a story earlier where at least in japan it's the only place we can get reliable data like right. reliable i put that in air quotes because it's it's from a couple separate sellers will reveal this data <laughs> most companies don't reveal and by most i mean all don't reveal actual global sales numbers 
um, for us to look at. But at least, and what's why I liked this one is it's from BCN Retail, which is like the best buy of Japan. Basically, it's it's more right. aimed towards general consumers. Uh, Nikon has seen an uptick of 10% market share overall of, of digital cameras over the last year or so, which is um, for that since Nikon's been making kind of high end gear, the fact that they've grown that much at a best buy ish retailer by 10%. Yeah. That's really, really encouraging news. Um, I don't see any any indication, at least in the on the West Coast that they aren't having like equal success. Um, oh, yeah, I think they're doing just fine. I, I don't see stuff staying like on store shelves, uh, digital store shelves anyway, for very long. They're always like next group is coming in at this point, and then they sell them basically immediately. And then they wait for the next batch to show up. So I mean, we, we get informal news from the camera store here in Calgary, which is our former employer. And I mean, I'm not going to go to the numbers, but you know, the general gist of it is it's been huge, right? I mean, the Z8 has been huge. Nikon in general has been really good. So they're very excited to see that. I'm and really happy. It like, it's really yeah, nice really happy. It I, I've never like, been an icon shooter, but I like watching there be some competition. Oh yeah. Like for years, it was just like, I kind of have to recommend Sony. There's really, there's nothing quite as good. Now it's like, all right, we've got some stuff going on now. There's like a reason that you can look around. And it was only a couple of years ago that everybody was saying like, oh, Nikon, they don't diversify as a company. They don't have any other divisions. They're tanking. They're going to be dead soon, right? Like that was only a couple of years ago that people were still talking that talk. So I'm really happy to see, yeah, they're, they're going strong. They, their management's done a great job and uh, yeah, I'm, I am, or I have been an icon shooter and I'm happy to see that company keep going and I'm, I'm glad they're finding a lot of success right now. I want to, this wasn't on our list of things to talk about, but it came up this morning and I wanted to get your input on it. Um, some readers or viewers, and this was from a DP review forum actually noticed that in the Nikon Z9 firmware 4.0 update, which was like last week, it had a bunch of cool features, including the auto capture one, which basically turns into a camera trap. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, they noticed that there was a point in there that it's, they said it was coming to the Z8, but that was later removed uh, from the YouTube video and apparently was also removed from a press release. Um, hmm. Obviously, the the thing that that the, you jump to the conclusion of like well not, well Nikon clearly realized dude this isn't a good idea we don't want to make the Z8 you know cannibalize the Z9 I don't think that's what happened here no. um I think they just weren't ready to give it to the Z8 yet like I think that it was a weird like it would be a weird time to announce that when it's a Z9 update I don't know what do you, what, what's your take on that I think it makes a ton of sense because there's obviously been some. Z9 shooters, especially people who purchased it recently, who are like, hey, this new camera is $1,000 less and has all the same features, you know, except for a right. battery and a card slot. Uh, I think this is a great way of like, look, you'll get the firmware updates first. You guys are priority. You bought the flagship. I could totally see them rolling it down, you know, in six months time because there's nothing in that firmware list that specifically says you need a bigger battery or you need <laughs> two fast yeah. card slots in order to utilize it. So that would be my guess. I mean, they could yeah. certainly... They could start Sonying, where they weirdly segment firmware, but they haven't in the last little while. I so I don't think we'd see them. And Nikon's position right now, where they want to move gear and they want people yeah. to like be excited about the brand, it does not seem on brand to me. I just think they may have they realized we kind of jumped the gun here. We didn't really necessarily because it's going to be a while. That mm -hmm. makes sense. They didn't want to get yeah, people excited sense. for something that's not going to be out for six months or whatever. So that yeah. Anyway, that's I just wanted to get us some. 
throw that in there because uh, we didn't write about it on Petapixel, and I don't think we will. It's just like a just something <laughs> worth, worth mentioning. Could you imagine two years ago if we did like an entire first block of a photography podcast on Nikon? Like it's crazy how much. Yeah, they, yeah, it is. It is wild how popular that they've gotten. Um, let's talk a little bit. I don't want to spend too much time on this one. I just because it's just it's just you know funny at this point. Um, for anyone who has been following along, I do not blame you if you have not. So I'm going to recap this for you. Good luck. Er- <laughs> Earlier, I blame you. I'll take it personally too. <laughs> Earlier this year, uh, Matavor Media, which owned uh, the outdoor photographer and imaging resource and a couple other like the digital photo brands or whatever, they sold their entire portfolio, including the photography, and they have other brands too. They had the, the main one that, that the, the buyer wanted was called Jazz Times. It's a magazine. Uh, they sold everything to a company called Bebop, a company that I had never heard of before, and I don't think many people had right. prior to Least this. favorite villain of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles universe. <laughs> Excuse me. Rocksteady we're, Media we're, is also going to acquire this stuff in the future. Yeah, we were, we were, all, we were all thinking it. Um, <laughs> anyway, they, uh, they were acquired by a music company, and very quickly things started to look bad for the photography publications. Uh, Imaging Resource was turned off, went offline. Outdoor Photographer and a bunch of stuff was put up for sale in a public banner on Outdoor Photographer's website. Uh, it seems as though Bebop did find someone interested in buying it, and that, that company was called Gigster. And Gigster, if you had never heard of them before, they are a uh, California-based company that is basically Airbnb for studio spaces. So, like, it made sense. It was they were at least in right. the industry. Uh, Bebop told us at Petapixel that they had sold the brands, and we're like, "Cool, that's fantastic, great news." We were waiting for the official announcement. That official announcement never came because it seems as though Gigster did not get all the information they thought they they needed in order to make the acquisition. Uh, one of those things was they, at least in the filing that we can see, because Bebop is now suing Gigster for not buying the stuff as they previously said they were going to, claiming this right. anyway. In the court documents, uh, Gigster says in the emails provided by Bebop, by the way, I want to point this out. Bebop provided this information in the court filing for the reason of the suit. They said that there was no proof that Bebop actually owned any of these things. They needed to see the actual like official acquisition documents from Matavor to Bebop. Bebop had not provided those, which is a head scratcher. So does this, I don't really know how that went down, but basically Gigster was doing their due diligence. Bebop said, don't do that. And now is suing them for $25 million uh, over what they're claiming is fraud. So I think we should turn it into a TV show on, on Hulu. That's, I want to see what happens. The, the twists and turns in this are just outrageous. And it's, what really sucks is that it's like this industry has needed these brands for a while. Things aren't doing so hot in the photo news segment. And it's just like watching some of the best brands that existed in the publication space just get caught st- in this yeah. struggle. It just yeah. sucks. It's, it just really sucks. <laughs> any any thoughts on this, guys? I mean, I just kind of wanted to let everyone know that this was happening, but I'm happy to hear your thoughts. I mean, now I'm just emotionally detached from, you know, like the the actual publications themselves. And every morning I just pour myself a cup of coffee and I'm like, what is the latest in this? <laughs> yeah, it just, just seems never ending. Just constantly something new is coming up. It's just wild. But 
As always, we'll keep anyone who's interested in this updated on what actually happens with these brands. I mean, the the thing I think is going to be rough is that outdoor photographer and imaging resource and a lot of these these um, these publications owe money to to writers and photographers, yeah. and whoever acquires them acquires that debt. Yeah, and, and there's like there's people working at these publications that we know personally and have known for yeah. long time. And, yeah. and they're being affected by this in really negative ways. So yeah, it's unfortunate and sad. And yeah, well, and it tarnishes the legacy a little bit as well. Yeah, definitely yeah. does. Actually, like turning off imaging resource for any amount of time hurt their SEO so badly oh, I'm that sure. Google's basically like we can't send anyone traffic as much as we used to because we don't know that the site's real. Yeah, it sucks. It really sucks. On a happier note, though, I've gone with a golden theme today, and. Uh, Look at my gold Canon Ixus. Again, this is the worst PSC. segue. Uh, no, it's is, the best segue. Look at this. Segue. Look how true. You can't be. Nobody has ever looked at this camera in a camera store and been sad. Okay. For those who are only listening, Chris, please describe what you're doing. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's why you really want to watch us on YouTube. It's great because then you get to see our faces. And this beautiful Canon Elf limited edition in gold still works. This is a tiny little box that uh, takes APS-C film not APS-C digital photos. APS and film. It, APS, well, APS-C-H or, or uh, L. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Wait, so that's or a film P. camera? Yeah, it's a film camera. That's so this small. is analog, dude. This is why I'm showing it, because this gives me instant street cred. Yeah. yeah. And which, it's like- Which you needed halfway through a podcast. <laughs> this is what I need. And look how discreet it is. It's, I think it's you need like, to mount that on a gold chain and just wear it. Oh, dude, that's a great idea. I'm going to totally uh, do that for our next thing. Okay, sweet. This is jewelry now. But anyways, there you go. He's Cherry a segue time. machine, Jordan. Happiness. Like it, they're not clean. A but malfunctioning they, machine. They do, they do segue us uh, to our next segment. <laughs> this um, machine is learning. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that. All right. So um, one thing, this is not a new story, like in general. The, the concept of this is not a new story. But uh, the, the most recent instance of it got me thinking that we should have you guys talk a little bit about this because you do travel a lot. Um, a documentary filmmaker had about $30,000 worth of gear stolen out of his rental car in San Francisco this week. He had parked it with, he and his dad were making a film uh, and he had parked it near, uh, I think he said Lombard. I think that was where it was. Um, it was, if it wasn't, yeah, it was near Lombard street in San Francisco, which if you hadn't been, haven't been to San Francisco or know nothing about the city, this is one of the number one tourist destinations. It is a right. terrible, terrible street to drive on. If you actually need <laughs> to go somewhere, the worst is when Google maps tells you to drive this way and you don't realize that it's telling you to do that until you're already there. But it's super like wait, like wiggly looks like a, looks like a, like a, a radio wave. That's how wiggly it is. And it's so slow to drive down it, but people like to look at it and take pictures. Um, he parked near there. They were away from the car for 10 minutes, came back and the windows were busted out of their car and a lot of equipment was missing. Um, San Francisco is a hotbed for car break-ins yeah. and thefts for cameras because there's just so many and they just target tourist areas. So you I want to San Fran, San Fran also burns out your clutch when your car. Oh hills. yeah. It's terrible. I can, but I they make that. up for it with the crab. Oh yeah. The, and they've good sourdough such bread good there crab. too. Um, I used to live in San Francisco, so I you did. I, I can tell me about can, the crab, Jaron. It's delicious. If you <laughs> haven't been delicious. to a Giants game and you haven't gotten a crab sandwich, you haven't lived. Yeah, which yeah, I don't I think lived. I don't think I don't think Chris has had a crab sandwich at the Giants Stadium while watching baseball. I haven't at the Giants Stadium, but you know, my wife and I went to Fisherman's Wharf and it was super touristy, and we saw Alcatraz in the distance, which was super touristy, and yeah. then we had crab, and it was incredible. By the way, good. also having I mean, crab at that location is uh, super touristy. 
So you yeah. did ev- you did everything. You hit, you yeah. hit all the and it was notes. and it was great. And it made me forget the the horrible smell of my burnt out clutch in my old school Pontiac vibe, uh, which did still luckily get us home. Uh, but yeah, anyways, stolen gear. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> um, so I wanted to ask you guys, like, when you travel. Um, do you have any, have you had any experiences with this sort of thing? And then what do you do to make sure that you're not victimized by this sort of thing? It's, it's funny. Like, you know, we hear a lot of comments. One of the comments that kind of really gets me is we'll, we'll do a, a video about carrying around a Leica, for example, right? Like a Q3 or whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. or we'll, you know, we'll do a video about um, camera straps and stuff like that. And, and you get a lot of comments from people like, oh, I would never take that around or I would, you know, I wouldn't be caught dead, you know, wearing that. I was going to steal it or, you know, you're just asking to be rolled and all this kind of stuff. And I, I always thought that was kind of like a really negative attitude. I'm not trying to take away. Maybe these people have been robbed and that can be a very traumatizing experience. But, you know, like you got to go shoot. You got to take photos. You can't really live your life worrying about it. At the same time. I don't think Jordan and I have rarely ever been in a situation where we've felt threatened. We've never been like, you know, held up or whatever, but we do also live in Calgary. And I get that's different from like a major metropolis, like say, San Francisco. But you've traveled to major metropolises before. You're right. Frequently. And with your camera equipment. You're right, actually. And walking like the streets in New York at night, like I grew up in New York City as a kid, uh, like four or five years old. So my earliest memories are from growing up in New Jersey, New York. And back then that was the New York that you saw in like eighties action movies, right? It was rough and scary and mean. And like, I remember we came out of the Met once and there's like a guy trying to steal the radio out of my uncle's Audi. And he like goes up, wrestles this dude guy's got a screwdriver like it was wild and the guy just took off and left his tools in the car you know it was and i saw that like that was that was new york back then but anyways jordan and i are walking around middle of the night new york city places we're not familiar with and other than the rats that are the size of dogs i never felt unsafe at all yeah i mean well the one thing is generally there's the two of us are together when we're out and you are that. very powerful and yeah as you can yeah. see if you are watching this on youtube you know i have an incredibly intimidating appearance very thuggish so people don't yeah look at the size of me. his head and that that crew yeah, cut he means exactly uh it's very military i got a monopod you know you swing that sucker it's gonna do some damage um his calves are legitimately like barbarian sized it's, powerful it's true they are uh, it's show them your calves all right here let me no, don't. <laughs> no <I'm not. laughs> i was like well this is happening okay i'm just gonna watch i guess uh but the big thing um as well is chris and i we never leave gear in the car like even no. the other day we were doing a shoot together we went into a pub just to quickly grab a snack and we took to both get camera drunk? bags well i mean it was one drink no. but they were strong um but uh yeah we wouldn't in when we're traveling it's the exact same thing our bags stay with us that's a big part of why i really like having a shoulder bag it's quick access for me but i can keep it you know close to my body you can tell very quickly if someone's trying to get at it as opposed to like a backpack that'll open from behind or something like that yeah um yeah uh, you know uh, we're very cautious with that we never check any luggage. I, well, we check luggage, but we don't check camera gear, obviously. Like tripods, sure. But yeah, never camera gear. That always goes on board with us. But you know, yeah, from the customers, we worked at the camera store. The the number one thing that people said, like, oh, I got my gear stolen. It's because they did leave it in the car. Whether it was overnight. I could see if you're in a touristy area like Lombard, people are probably watching you. Oh, yeah. Right? They absolutely had totally, spotters. Right? Absolutely had spotters. Yeah. So if they see you, like just leave a bag in your car and go in for coffee or something. Yeah, I could totally see that. But uh, yeah, on the street, uh, I don't know. I've never, we've talked to some unsavory characters uh, while we're shooting. Hey, Jordan, but 
yeah, we haven't, we haven't luckily had any issues at all, but I don't remember. I remember they used to sell like camera straps with wires in them and stuff like, yeah, you know, so people can't come up and cut them with scissors or slit them with a knife, but you know, this is the, the, they're not necessarily trying to do that in San Francisco. They'll just try and take it off your shoulder. Um, there right, are yeah. cases where they'll, they'll, they, they drive by and a guy will lean out the window and grab it off your, your shoulder. They, that is that less common than the break-in one. The break-in ones are just so much easier. Yeah. Um, and I, so I mentioned that I used to, to live in San Francisco. I worked in, for anyone, most people who are listening to this have no idea what my history is. Um, I operated a uh, film production studio out of San Francisco for seven years. Uh, and so I had to shoot in San Francisco all the time. With lots of gear. Lots of gear. And we did time-lapsing. And time-lapsing requires two tripods, a rail, and robots to move it, and the camera sitting in place for hours at a time. Yeah. Um, we would never leave anything in the car and we would always, and when it started to really escalate that this was becoming a major thing in San Francisco, uh, we would hire private security because it was the best way for me to make sure that I was actually safe. Um, we never had any problems with that. And when you build it into the billing of, uh, of like what you're doing for your client, like I, we had that luxury. Not everyone has the luxury to be able to bill someone for security. <laughs> But it's what we chose to do, and like it's otherwise, why would you be out there time lapsing? Someone asks you yeah. to do something specific. So, yeah. um, anyway, when you can, I highly recommend that sort of thing. And then otherwise, never leave anything in your car, and just you know, don't do. I would say don't time lapse with a lot of equipment in major <laughs> cities like that if if you you cannot get it like protected. And always have insurance. And I think the other one that's rough too is insurance won't always cover if you leave stuff visible in the back of the car. So even if you right. are insured, they only cover to like a couple hundred dollars as opposed to the thousands and thousands. So yeah. it's real rough. We've been we've been pretty lucky though. I don't think Jordan and I have ever had an experience where we've had a camera stolen from us, uh, well, which is great. Like in in a, you know well over a decade of shooting. Uh, I did leave a disposable film camera on a slot machine in Vegas the first time I went there. And when I went back for it 10 minutes later, it was gone. So, you know, doesn't matter how much, how much the camera's worth. Someone well, will take it. You know, I mean, that's not totally gone. true. We did have, uh, when we were shooting our making a battle at F stop Ridge video, uh, someone broke into a car and stole the oh, Pelican yeah. case, which was empty. Uh, cause we were that's actually out right. shooting with the equipment. So they got a Pelican case with a charger, uh, and some USB <laughs> cables. So you should have brought um, the Pelican case on set. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah, a, it's a yeah. very it kind of a giveaway that there's expensive gear in there. So when we do, you know, uh, leave stuff in the car, it tends to be like, you know, a reflector bag or something that yeah. doesn't look like there's expensive stuff. Cause we don't want them to break in and then find out there's nothing valuable in there. Right. My trick is to just drive POSs. <laughs> That's all I drive. Just like oh, ancient. Got it. Just, absolute garbage cars and i've got like garbage everywhere and like the whole back trunk is just a mess and anybody that looks in there's like oh the person who owns this car is doing the stealing not nothing nothing gets <laughs> so yeah that's that's my plan and it's worked Bold. great so far but yeah all joking aside don't leave stuff in the car that's that's a super big uh yeah. super big reason why people lose their stuff all right, so that'll uh, that'll do it for our, our discussion topics. We're going to move into what we always like to close with, never read the comments, where we make sure to read the comments. Uh, I have a couple that I'm going to mention that were basically a group of comments together. I'm not going to read a specific one, but there's two subjects here. One, that audio issues on the last video. Jordan, can you explain what happened there? 
Yeah, on our Tamron 11 to 20 video, um, because I'm a dum-dum, we were changing some of the audio uh, when we were looking at the charts, just misspoke in uh, one of the takes, and it's like, okay, no biggie, we'll just throw some stuff, and you can actually hear it's a different microphone that he's using in that voiceover there. It sounds a little bit different. But then I left the original take in there because I just like <laughs> pushed it back. And I'm, for some reason, I don't know, I missed it completely, despite like watching the final cut. And then, you know, this was in our rough draft as well. I don't know. Anyways. It's my fault for misspeaking. I misspoke. And then we tried to fix it. The only but, person uh, who's not to blame here is Jaron. Jaren. Yeah, I was completely yes. uninvolved. By the way, top 0.2% Destiny player. Oh, thank you for really looping us yeah. back on an un, un, unnecessary. Should we always anyway. intro you <laughs> yeah. that so, way? So Over how time. did you fix it? Because you say it's not a problem now, right? Yeah, so there is a wonderful thing in YouTube. There's an editor. Um, so you can trim the start and back of a video or cut a section out of it. What you can't do Without is having add to re-upload stuff in, and lose all your stuff. Yeah. Um, which is really nice. So in that situation you know there was no important information just a clip sitting there that shouldn't have been there so it was very easy for me to just cut that out no big deal i thought the problem is like i haven't done this in a very <laughs> long time uh but it actually screwed up the sound sync for a little while while uh youtube was kind of figuring out what the was reshuffled around and stuff um so it's fine now but there was definitely a window there where first of all people were getting very contradictory information <laughs> <if they watched laughs> And then after that, they if they watched later, then the sound sync was off. Um, it sucks, and it's something that I'm gonna, you know, maybe give it another pass anytime we have voiceover specifically for that issue. Um, but I mean, it's it's something that happened. It's not a problem now. But if you did watch that video on the first pass, just know yeah. you're not confused. I screwed up, and now everything is fixed and fine. But Perfect. as as established earlier, I'm a machine. But Jordan is only human. So, you know, these things happen. All right. Uh, the other one was, is I just want to let everyone know that Chris has been soundly rebuked for his pedaisms. He will no longer <laughs> be, he will no longer be riding the line with the what? word that all of you say he's very close to saying. Uh, Chris, uh, we will. Okay. We'll, so for, first off, get the stick the out and beat you with it again. In linguistics, it's very important to understand different letters and their meanings and their sounds and everything like that. And there's a big difference between a T and a D. And, uh, you know, fights is a grouping of people, you know, uh, used very, very commonly in the Bible, as I recall. <laughs> lots of lots of something fights. <laughs> I, I Why are you think, giving me that face, Jordan? It's I totally think it's true. I think it's time. I am in favor of retiring this <laughs> yeah. bit. Stop it. Uh. Uh, the, uh, I mean, I'm almost out of things anyways. What else could I really do, right? If anyone but, is know, actually it, curious, I don't know if anyone knows why it's PETA. Uh, I, it, it's basically, I think it's a, it's a thousand terabytes. We love is animals. A pet, is a petabyte. Yeah, it, like word processing loves to make those ETA <laughs> part all caps. Um, but it is a le- legitimately a thing. It's a, it's a lot of pixels. Um, and Chris will stop saying... Uh, it's our next confusing. step after gigapixel, correct? Because right no, now, no, because after that's a terapixel, and okay. then after that is a petapixel. Well, right. then we got a very future-proof name for the. Yeah, website, it's ve- yeah so we've been correct. good for quite some time, and yeah. I don't see that being a problem. Uh, <laughs> I've only actually had to write petapixel to refer to a picture one time in my career because someone actually did do it. Um, so there you go. All right, moving on. Um, this one I just wanted to put in here because it was nice. 
Uh, but wait, what was everybody's favorite? What did they like, though? I mean, we've got a lot. Did they like Petapixies? Did been, they like Petapals? There's been no impact. There's no feedback. Petapeeps. There's been no positive feedback. There's <laughs> been. I, there's been lots of comments. People are like, yay, I'm a Petapixie. Don't, yeah, come on. It's not all bad. I'm moving on. All right. Uh, this one is the, speaking of, of names that are somewhat confusing, his name is Her Petapianist. I don't really know what that means. Like piano, like pianist. Um, but the herpeto part's a little confusing. Anyway, this person says, so glad that you and Jordan, and I believe he's talking to you, Chris, specifically, have a venue right. to continue serving the photographic community. I just wanted to put a nice one in here before we started. Oh, see, that's nice. Ones. That really breaks up what this segment is really about, which is... <laughs> about what everything you've done is wrong and you suck. Yeah. Did this person also say, oh, and, and keep uh, doing the uh, the peta comments? No, they like, didn't. Uh, Stop oh, it. Oh, they didn't? Okay. No, I'm just checking. I'm just I checking. think they said, despite the way you're opening yeah. videos. Uh, oh, I is that what they did? I'm going to send someone over there with a garden hose, and they're just going to spray you every time you, you, you start doing this. It's like, like no, like, bad. Like a bad cat in <laughs> your backyard that doesn't belong there? Uh, so we're going to talk a little bit more about the, uh, the, uh, I think the 11 to 20 is the one where this one, yeah, this is about the 11 to 20 F 2.8, the Tamron, um, F 2.8 versus F four doesn't seem like a big deal on a super wide, especially since Fuji has image stabilization. Gordon Cahill writes on Petapixel and even on Ibis bodies is 2.8 really better than the increased range and aperture ring of the Fuji film. Personally, I don't see the whole, the point of this lens while the Fuji exists. Thoughts. Go, Chris. I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with what he's saying. I'm assuming he's saying in, in the context of like, is faster glass always better? And then the answer is no. But at the same time, I mean, if you were going to use it for some low light situations where push really comes to shove, it could be useful. If uh, you really want to take advantage of its excellent macro capabilities, you can have some fun with shallower depth of field. Uh, you know, I don't know. As we've already established, even though it was confusing in the video, the Tamron and the Fuji are both consistently good optical performers. Uh, but yeah, it depends. Like, what about like, think action shots in a music venue, you know, like low light concert, people are dancing, people are jumping, and you want to get those fast shutter speeds that can make a difference. But basically, what we're doing is we're arguing about 2.8 versus f4 lenses regardless of whether they're wide or not and so i uh, it depends on the context that's it's always been that way yeah i mean this is not context. a new thing people some yeah. people who are doing like you know wedding shooters is a classic example of a wide a, where a wide bright lens because you still need a fast shutter speed uh is more useful and a lot of people too i saw are like 2.8 to f4 what's the difference it's one stop but how many people have been like i have to ditch my aps-c camera and go full frame immediately because i get a stop better performance i mean it's all your use case and in this situation especially if you want to dabble with like astro or like chris said wide angle action photography is definitely a genre then it makes more sense if you're going to use it for a static landscape or architecture work the Fuji is a great choice, yeah. which is what you said in your conclusion, I believe, Chris. It was what I said. Yeah, I, I absolutely did say that. Yeah. So it, it really just comes down to it's always photography's always been the right tool for the right job. And and I, I think people really need to look at it that way because, uh, you know, then you're arguing about like, yeah, like a drywall saw versus a wood saw. Right. I mean, like it depends on what you're doing. What are you cutting right now? I like it. All right. Next question is from David Stevenson. Well, it's not really a question. It's a statement. And I want to get your, your opinion on the statement. And he was not alone. David uh, was one of several who brought this up. You really need to be testing lenses on the 40 megapixel Fuji sensor cameras. 
While the lens may be good at 26, that may not be the case at 40. Higher resolution bodies can reveal flaws that you simply won't see at lower resolutions. Absolutely. Um, yeah, if totally we had right. access to a 40 megapixel <laughs> body when we recorded this, we totally would have used that. Um, you know, we try to use the highest res bodies that we can when we're testing lenses. Um, but bear in mind as well, you know, 26 to 40 megapixels, it's not like it's actually 50% more resolution, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, it is a higher megapixel count, but when you split that between your horizontal and vertical resolution, then yes, there is more detail, absolutely, in a 40, yeah. but it's not that 50% increase that you might expect if you're just looking at the numbers. I'd also say that in the particular example of the Tamron versus the Fuji, even 26 actually showed a Some fair limitations. amount of flaws. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, by that point, we can draw our inferences from that. If we were to go to 40 megapixel, I honestly don't think that particular case it would have shown. We might have seen both, you know, both the Tamron and the Fuji were very sharp in the center, even wide open. We might have seen maybe a little bit of differentiation on, on which one may have fallen first, you know, or lagged behind the other at 40 megapixels, but. But at corner resolution, which is mostly what people are concerned about with wide angles, yeah. we were already seeing enough of a difference there that we could draw conclusions. So yeah. we did the best we could with what we had. Um, we will always try and get the highest res bodies, but uh, yeah, it's all a trade-off of what we have access to. Remember, Jordan is only human, but I'm a Segway machine. You can ride me on tours around yeah. lovely we, we don't need a Segway. We have another question. What? Um, this is from Albert Puerta. Hi, Chris and Jordan. I have been able Hi. to get <laughs> I have been able to get the Fujifilm XT5 with the 18 to 55 for 1400 euros or the Fujifilm XT32 with the same lens for 900. What do you recommend for me? I'm a beginner photographer and I don't know if the XT5 is too much for me regardless of the low price. I hope you can help me. Thanks. Go video ahead, really. That's right? the difference don't if he think? wants to shoot video. Well, not not so much because the X-T5 so we much. weren't really delighted with as a video camera. I think the X-T4 is actually a better option uh, or the, the new XS20. Um, that sensor is just a better equipped one for video work. Um, the X-T5, you definitely get the increase in resolution, the improved autofocus, especially if you want it to like detect birds, um, vehicles, things like that. You have access to that. In a, and it's a much more rugged body. I mean, so you think the, the, that, that is a $500, 500 euro difference. You think it's worth it? Yeah. Yeah. A lot. It's a big jump. Um, I mean, depending on the type of work you do, I like having a very rugged body. If it's my primary one, um, that would almost be worth it for me. The extra detail, depending on the type of work that you're doing, um, might be valuable for you, but I do think like the XT 30, if you like that classic look or the original XS 10 are absolute smoking deals. And the big thing is like that 18 to 55 is still a great lens. Um, I think that's a really smart kit lens to go yeah, with. It. Absolutely. It's tough with beginners, you know, like on the one hand, you always want to say, okay, we'll get something affordable see where your envelope, uh, you know, where, where you're going to, you're going to start to find your limitations, right. In your photography and you might never find them. Right. So the safe choice is always say, get the XT 30 version two. It's still a very good camera, very effective. And then you might never reach a need for the XT five. Right. But. And it's I, not, it's not nothing. That's like the cost of another lens. You can buy is, a lens. Yeah, for lens. absolutely. Right. And, and, and that might be a, a worthwhile purchase too. Right. Cause you'll definitely probably find that you want more lenses before you want a different body. Yeah, that's how. At that, the same time, I don't know. I don't know. XT five is pretty good. Forty megapixel sensor. It's it's a good one. 
as Jordan said, if you're into like, if you foresee wanting to do wildlife or sporting events or street photography, and you really want the highest hit rate, that might be worthwhile. Cause that's, that's, you know, that's where you're going to sell that XT32 down the line and then lose money on it and then have to buy an XT5 or whatever it's going to be eventually anyways. So I don't know. I'm, I'm torn, Jordan. What do you think? I just want to know what he's taking pictures of. I mean, that's where yeah. we worked in a camera store. That's the first question. And it's a piece know. of information that a lot of people don't know. No, he, what, he might just want to start taking pictures. And yeah. Like, Spend and the money. Case, it would have taken me years to outgrow, you know, the equivalent of an XT30 when I started taking pictures. Um, I so use the Canon 60D for like five years, five, six years before I, I even. I'm sorry, Jared. I liked that camera. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so. This one's actually for me. These are rare, but I was listening to your podcast. This is from uh, Brendan Brendan Robbins Jones. Everyone has three names on you on YouTube. It's, it's like the middle name goes in there. Brendan Robbins Jones says that he was listening to the podcast in the car this morning and could hear Chris and Jordan very well, but not me uh, because my voice kept oscillating. So there's an issue here that I I, I didn't bring up last week. Uh, I have not been feeling great vocally. Uh, the, these past couple weeks, uh, I had COVID a uh, month and a half ago, and then I got another cold uh, after that. So uh, yet last week in particular, I was part, I was pretty gravelly, and I was fading out as I was ending my sentences because I was lo- I was out, I was running out of steam. So um, and if, if anyone's watching, I'm drinking tea a lot so that I don't cough into the microphone. Basically, is what you I'm sound great to today. You Thank sound you. Great. I'm trying you sound to sound incredibly powerful, like Thank one you. of the top 0.2 percent of testing. Okay, all right, guys. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate that. So anyway, <laughs> um, I'm glad that Chris and Jordan sound good. I will do better to make sure that I do not fade out at the end of sentences and will continue to sound strong. So thank you for pointing it out, uh, Brenda. I am so sorry that I was not <laughs> listenable. Um, finally, I wanted to, this one is just, I wanted to mention that uh, they very much, this was, is fing, <laughs> Fingers McGinty. Good name. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh my goodness. Fingers McGinty. I'm like, oh, my eyes are, I'm crying. It's so good. Really fascinating behind the scenes. This is in, in reference to our last podcast where we talked about reviews process and like, you know, all the things that happen with like, you know, our nefarious plans to only let one company win or whatever. Yes. Um, he, especially when we discussed Petapixel reviews, fairness tests, and et cetera. I have been a reader of Petapixel for a long while now and a viewer of Chris and Jordan reviews of the previous channel for a good long time too. And in both instances, I trust the fairness of the reviews. Be- not, not the objectivity because obviously any photographer video- or videographer is going to have a preference for one make model or another. He happens to use Fuji XF and GF gear, but had Canon in the past, like whatever, so all that stuff. The point is I trust Petapixel and I trust and enjoy, in all caps, Jordan and Chris videos, even for gear, I have no intention of buying. So thank you. Appreciate that. Glad that our, our objectivity, uh, well, I guess he said not really sure about our objectivity because we like certain gear <laughs> more or less than others. We try and that's take a balanced, that out though, right? You that's try a balanced and reasonable viewpoint to have. Yes, Very rare. Absolutely. Very rare. Yeah. That, that what was would lovely. you trust a person like Fingers McGinty to be, to be really good <laughs> at? A Is good, he a card a player? Is yeah. He a locksmith? Uh, maybe he's like a, a target shooter. Oh, maybe, maybe yeah. he's a, maybe he like does like walking like this. Oh, like, or like, like, fin- you know, like those, finger those... puppets for kids. What about the, the skateboards, like the shadow? ones for your fingers where you can do tricks? Oh yeah. Oh, tech he's decks. a tech deck professional. Yeah. 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 Look, I'm fingers McNichol right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
I, I was I wanted that to end on a high note. That was for the YouTube viewers so. as well. <laughs> uh, on on that note, on the the fingers McNichols, we're gonna we're gonna call it. Thank you very much for joining us this week. Can, I wanted to once, I, what? Can we just refer to me as that from now on? No, be okay. We're not doing that because oh. it's gonna be another thing that it's gonna be like the pedo whatever's on it's the. It's gonna on get the YouTube annoying channel. within yeah, two you're weeks. Just gonna keep, you're That'll just be gonna... my new thing. I'll just do a new nickname every episode. Yeah, we will do our best to dissuade him listeners not the hose again please (laughs) (laughs) thanks everyone for joining us once again thank you to our sponsor om system make sure you visit them at explore.omsystem.com to see all of their excellent cameras and lenses which that is not actually written anywhere that is a real opinion that i have and clearly that we have because we use their equipment so jordan just pointed to himself so there you go thanks everyone (laughs) we'll catch you all next week